You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a midweek edition of the Locked On Utes Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. A special edition for you. Jake is out today, but we are joined by Alex Lundberg, executive producer of Utah Jazz Basketball Radio and also contributor at UteZone.com. He joins us to talk about Charlie Brewer versus Cam Rising, the discussion that will be on the tip of everyone's tongue as fall camp starts here at the end of July, beginning of August. He also stops by to give us another memory along the way for the 10-pack. We discussed the 2016 title run for Utah Baseball and then talk about the new hires made for the program and what still needs to happen in order for the uh, Ping and Utes to have success. All that on today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for July 14th, 2021. to the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. A special episode today. As we mentioned, Jake is out. We have one of the best possible fill-ins available tonight. The one, the only, the legend executive producer of all jazz broadcasts, part-time producer at 1280 The Zone, Alex Lundberg. Lundy, so good to have you here. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. It's you are the most recurring guest that we've had on the podcast. So as far as that goes, you are a far five star recruit in the Locked On Utes playbook. Congratulations! Uh, I don't know about you, I never got a five star rating. So hey, you got one up on me. All right. Well, you know, I'm gonna, you know, hang a plaque, <laughs> hang a banner. But <laughs> go ahead yeah. and hang that up in the old producer studio there at the at the Zone in twelve eighty. <laughs> Uh, show that off. I'll maybe one of these days I'll print off a T-shirt and say five star, uh, five star guest, something like that. Uh, we have a, a loaded show for uh, always. The shows are always loaded, and and somehow we always manage to go over time. Uh, but today I wanted to talk a little bit because the discussion on Twitter yesterday was very heavily. In, in one direction, and that's who's going to start at quarterback. We are getting so close to the start of fall camp here. Uh, it feels like, despite the heat, and maybe the heat is an indicator of how hot it's going to be going into fall camp, I do think that we're going to have a very competitive quarterback battle. Obviously, the two biggest names out there, Charlie Brewer, uh, Cam Rising, Rising coming off the shoulder injury. The earlier reports on him have been that he is progressing very well uh, on track, if not maybe a little bit ahead of schedule is looking to be healthy for fall camp on the opposite end of that charlie brewer the incoming transfer give me some of your thoughts on charlie brewer uh what like what you like about his game kind of why you think it is that he came out to utah and maybe what it is about him that you think might give him the edge as we go into fall camp so charlie brewer is interesting um you know i we all saw in the spring game he was, you know, a perfect 15 for 15 passing, which that that right there stands on its own as something to be commended. That that gives him a big leg up on the on the competition, um, you know, as well as the coaches saying that he separated himself in the spring. Now, Cam Rising wasn't in the spring competition. He wasn't 
you know, you're still kind of coming back from that shoulder injury. Um, and I will say that, you know, going back and watching the spring game again, uh, uh, there were a handful of those passes that were completed um, that Charlie Brewer gets credit for, but really belong to the receivers. Uh, you know, he, he would have had a few incompletions uh, had it not been for the receivers making incredible catches, but it was still 15 for 15. Um, the balls were in catchable spots. So, you know, the receivers could make those plays. Um, Charlie Brewer, though, like, you know, outside of that, I kind of dove in recently because I, I didn't know much about him at all, honestly. Um, I saw that performance. And so a couple of weeks ago, I, I did a little bit of my own research just to kind of try to find out about him. We all know that he transferred from Baylor. I think he's no, he's number two in most passing stats at Baylor University um, in, in their history. So that's remarkably impressive. We all know that he led them to a sugar bowl. Um, and so the question on my mind was why, why would Charlie Brewer leave that situation? Right? Like if you've been the starting quarterback for most of your career, you're leading most of the recorded stats. You have this huge history of success. Why would you go somewhere else for your, you know, as a grad transfer? What? And so I, I wanted to find out about that. Um, a large piece of that was the coaching change uh, when Matt Rule left for the NFL uh, prior to the 2020 season. And 2020 was not the kindest year to Baylor and their record overall. Uh, Charlie Brewer didn't perform great. He also had a history of concussions, um, you know, through his career there. He had a few that were pretty nasty. Um, and so that's that's something of interest, you know, just to kind of keep an eye on, like, you know, potential warning sign that he's been banged up a, a few times that, you know, maybe we or, or you know, we put him out there. He takes he takes a hit and he comes out again. You know, it's it's something that's dangerous to play with. Concussions are no joke. Um, and so, you know. On top of that, one of the things that I do believe kind of led him to transfer is he was not performing well that senior year. You know, he wasn't 100% healthy. Well, the, the senior year, I guess I should say in air quotes. Um, but that 2020 season, he wasn't completely healthy. He wasn't performing well. And he, uh, the fan base was no longer that fond of him. Uh, he received death threats on Twitter, things like that. So the transfer suddenly kind of made a lot more sense, right? When you, it's one of those situations where, you know, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Uh, he had seen himself become the villain in kind of an unfair way. And so I think he decided to see, seek out another opportunity, um, especially with, you know, the coach that he had originally committed to and had found success under having moved on probably didn't mesh super well with that coaching staff. And so that's likely one of the things that brought him to Utah was how he felt about the coaches. 
Yeah, Dave Aranda's system, notably very difficult on quarterbacks, and, and especially for somebody like Brewer, who came in. And, and if you ever read the article by Josh Newman in the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, you would know that Brewer had a very unusual recruiting process where essentially uh, Matt Rule came in and, and that very day offered him at Baylor or maybe a day or two after he had he'd taken the job. And I believe it was he'd seen him in a camp or, or something like that or, or was at the school meeting with a coach and watched his film and, and offered him on the spot. Uh, it, it's very fascinating. Definitely recommend that article. But I think you had on a couple different points. I think, first of all, the concussion factor has to be an issue, right? I think that's probably what led him to Utah because when you look at his statistics at Baylor – 9,000 yards throwing, and, and I keep going back to that one, but it wasn't just the throwing. I mean, he was accurate. Uh, completion percentage was pretty decent. Threw a lot of touchdowns, minimized turnovers. Uh, the offense was effective under him with Matt Rule. They were, uh, you know, in 2019, they were uh, uh, one game away from essentially making a playoff, uh, more or less. Uh, I believe, I'm trying to remember what team it was that they lost to that year, but it doesn't matter. The, the bottom line is I think that the concussions are what allowed Utah to kind of take center stage because because they could afford to take a chance on Charlie Brewer because they have somebody in Cam Rising there that they're comfortable with as a backup and vice versa, right? Like you're not going to take a chance on a guy with a lot of concussions or or issues like that with, with that much experience if you have no one else in the cupboard. And so I think it was a good mutual fit. Let me ask you this. If you're comparing the two uh, – Pass experience aside, because I know I think we all kind of got burned a little bit by the Jake Bentley experience and, and the, the conversation behind that. Let me put you in the driver's seat as Andy Ludwig. What's going to be your decision in terms of who you want to start, not just necessarily for this season, but for the long-term benefit of the program? Well, I think that, you know, if I'm Andy Ludwig, and I think that a lot of coaches have this opinion as well, you know, all things being equal, you go for the younger guy because he's going to be around for longer. So, you know, you're, you're building for the future as well. Um, and so it, it, it builds, you know, continuity gets more experience. You've got a higher ceiling obviously, because you're going to have that around for longer and you can build on that. Um, but that's all things being equal and they, you know, probably aren't all equal. And so, you, you know, I think that if I'm Andy Ludwig, especially under a Kyle Whittingham led football program there are you know two things that probably stick out the most um number one is overall accuracy who completes the more the the most passes number two who you know well maybe 1a and 1b and the order could be disputed uh who takes care of the football better and so you know if, if some you know if one of the guys and we've seen this in the past where um coaches typically try to, you know, they, they go one way over the other. If a guy's a total gunslinger and, you know, dropping dimes here and there all over the field, you know, really making the big play, but he's turning the ball over a lot, throwing it to the defense a lot. They're going to pull the plug on that really quick. Um, They've taken a couple of chances with that. You know, we saw Travis Wilson early on, you know, he was willing to take some of those, those bigger plays and things like that. But the competition, John Hayes, that's it, you know, that that's that's kind of a situation where you're not going to really 
you know, stay. That one's an easy call. Um, no offense to John Hayes, like, you know, one of my all time favorite youths. But hey, the pride of Butte Junior College right now. But like, you're yeah. right. There was just zero competition for Travis Wilson. And he definitely took mm-hmm. his licks uh, as a and, true freshman. Right. And even then, you know, going back to that, even with Travis Wilson, uh, when Kendall Thompson got brought in, there was a lot of back and forth between those two uh, because it would seem like one would come in and be inaccurate and turn the ball over. So they'd replace him, and the other guy would come in and provide a spark that was missing. And then the next game, that guy would be the starter and would really struggle. And so they'd make the switch again. And it just seemed like there was a lot of back and forth there. And so I think it really does come down to, you know, overall accuracy and taking care of the football. And that's the that's the Whittingham mo. I think you're spot on there. I think that does favor Charlie Brewer for sure. Uh, I, the other thing too, I think about this squad that's different in years past. When we saw the younger quarterback start, for example, Travis Wilson, there was not a lot of. Uh, impressive talent surrounding him that he could get the ball to. Uh, you know, I, I like, we all love Kenneth Scott and we all love Dres Anderson, but they were definitely flawed players to a degree. Um, I think Kenny just injuries just you know beat that poor dude up. Um, this team is very different. There's a ton of talent, uh, especially in the backfield, and so I think you're you're spot on in terms of you want the quarterback that's going to minimize the the amount of mistakes. I think on the defensive side of the football as well, you have a lot of athletes, a lot of playmakers that can really make plays. Uh, the one thing that I do kind of debate back and forth because I think. You know, I was going back and forth with uh, you, Daddy, a good friend of the the pod, good friend of both of ours, um, strong, strong Utah supporter, strong supporter of great lawns everywhere as well, um, amongst other things. Uh, we were talking a little bit about, you know, it doesn't really matter which one goes under center. We're going to support and cheer for the team. And, and that's, that's it 100%. If this team gets to a point in fall camp to where they need somebody to be a game breaker, that may end up being Cam Rising because he can do it both. He can do it with his arm. He can do it with his feet. We talked a little bit about Travis Wilson. Tyler Huntley was another guy that liked to go for the big play and try and break things open a little bit more. As he got older and, and came into the Andy Ludwig system, that kind of got, uh, I don't want to say beaten out of him, but just like drawn back a little bit on the reins. So that'll be a fascinating battle for me. Um, if you're... Uh, like, what's the most optimal outcome? Because I think the biggest issue is Charlie Brewer, if he wins a starting job, the question is what happens with Cam Rising? Does he transfer or not? Like, for your, in your Lundy world, what what's the most optimal scenario for that situation? Um, well, you know, I think that the reason that they went out and got Charlie Brewer, and they've been really aggressive in the transfer portal so far this year, is... Utah's looking to win right now. I think that's a priority for them. Um, And, you know, I think they've got enough talent in the pipeline as well that they're, you know, they feel confident that they can win in the future. Uh, I think that they're, you know, so I think that kind of the optimal scenario is who's going to win and who's going to win right now. Um, So, you know, if Cam Rising looks like the guy that's going to get the most wins this season, then that's the, the optimal scenario. Go, go for him, um, especially because they can build on him in the future. But I think that 
you know, if they feel that the difference between Charlie Brewer is, and, and you know, on Cam Rising is if Charlie Brewer is going to bring you a ten and two season and Cam Rising's a nine and three, they're going to hand the reins to Charlie Brewer. Uh, they're they're going for you know, I, it's, it's this is my belief at least that they're going for broke this year. It's 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 win and win now. If you're Cam Rising and you lose the job, would you transfer? Well, that's 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 hard for me to say because you know I think I'm a little bit biased, uh, <laughs> having grown up here and and having a degree from that university, you know, and uh, you know, so me probably not. Cam Rising, I don't think I would fault him at all if he did. Um, I mean, he has been with the program for a number of years, so there is the you know a, a decent chance that he's bought in and is willing to stick it out, knowing that he has continued eligibility and that it would be just one more year. Um, but maybe he does want to play right now. And maybe if he, you know, if he loses it, he'll enter the portal. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, I can't say that I blame him. Um, and I do think that Utah is still built for the future. Uh, they've got a lot of quarterbacks, you know, they've got Peter Costelli, uh, in the program right now who shows a lot of promise. They have just added the two new recruits for the upcoming class. Uh, you know, Utah's got talent at quarterback, or at least they appear to. And so I think that, you know, it's the kind of thing that hopefully we don't see Cam Rising transfer if he loses the job. But if he does, I don't think it's the end of the world. It definitely is, and there's plenty of talent in the room, like you mentioned. And and you know, I think even if you lose one or two quarterbacks throughout the course of the season, there's enough ability and just sheer talent in there. Which Quinton Jackson, Peter Costelli, uh, you know, Cam Rising, and Charlie Brewer between those four guys to where you can piece together an offense. Even if you're just basically going with a Cam Newton. Jaquin and Jackson running the ball as much as possible and then throwing downfield every now and then that's still an effective college offense. It's not pretty and it's not, you know, balanced, but you can move the ball doing that. And I think that's the biggest right. difference between maybe this era and, and the Travis Wilson era. I think the, the biggest convincing pitch that I'm giving to Cam rising, if he doesn't win the job is this like, Hey, like, you know, Charlie's not going to make it through the season. Like it, it's going to be your shot to, to bounce back. Or, you know, maybe maybe you pull a scenario like Utah did back with Travis Wilson and, and uh, Kendall Thompson where it's like, hey, we're going to open up the battle every single week, and whoever wins it is the starter that week, and maybe you keep him on board. I don't know if you really want to risk that with such a uh, important season in the program on the line, but it is mm -hmm. a thought. Um, That's definitely a scenario that I think that, you know, I mean, speaking of recent Twitter threads, you know, we saw Jordan Wynn bringing up that if you have multiple guys, you don't have any. Um, and I think that, you know, in hindsight, Utah fans would kind of agree that season between Kendall Thompson and Travis Wilson, Utah didn't really have a quarterback. Not until uh, Kendall Thompson really stepped up against Oregon and then unfortunately got hurt towards ACL. And then mm -hmm. it was just back to the struggle bus as, as it was before, right? Yeah. So, you know, Hopefully, you know, that's a scenario that I, I'm sure that the coaches and players are all looking to avoid again this year. I think that Kyle Whittingham is probably pretty determined to have a clear cut starter by the, by the time the season starts. And here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we want to make sure that you get to the start of your season safely and without any kind of 
uh, injury or accident or anything like that, which is why today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you could just go do the exact same thing yourself, having all that information at rockauto.com. You could go do it on your home computer or from your phone. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Save up to 30, 50, even 100% off the same parts that you would order from a chain store or a car dealership. Because Rock Auto is a family business, they've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years with the best prices around, reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you can need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. We encourage everyone to go to rockauto.com, figure out maybe something you need. I've mentioned that I like to go there for my windshield wipers. I am very meticulous about keeping my windshield clean. I don't know where it came from. Maybe all the years my dad bugged me about it, but I make sure to order all my uh, all my windshield wipers from there so I have them stocked up, ready to go. If one starts to go a little funky, we just replace that bad boy, throw it right back on. You can go use their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution to all of your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Back at it here on the Locked On Utes podcast with my main man, Alex Lundberg, joining me today. And one of the big reasons I wanted to have Lundy on is not only is, is quarterback acumen, being a, being a wide receiver in high school, you saw it from the other perspective. Always enjoy and appreciate the... Uh, the, the wide receiver angle of things, you know, I think that it's important to get all angles of the, of the uh, situation uh, viewed properly and, and analyzed. Um, but the biggest reason I wanted to have you on is to talk about uh, one of the moments in our 10-pack series. Again, the 10-pack series, we're naming the 10 biggest or the 10 most memorable uh, moments for non-football during the Pac-12 era at, of University of Utah Athletics. Today's, uh, we haven't officially released the rankings, but you have to assume that this one will be at or near the top. We're going to talk about the Utah baseball team winning the Pac-12, and that's why I wanted to bring you on board. If I'm not mistaken, you were the PA announcer for the baseball team that year? I was not the PA that year, no. I, I did it... Um trying to remember exactly when it was a year or two after that um but that was my my senior year of college i was a marketing intern for the athletics department at that time that's right. um and so i uh you know i had enjoyed going to baseball games as a student you know earlier went there with a couple of friends to start you know and had a lot of fun um would usually show up to watch the rivalry games and things like that. Cause Smith's ballpark. is just a great venue. Love spending an afternoon there. Um, but as a marketing assistant, you know, they would send out a calendar of all of the different uh, events that were going on and just say, all right, you need to do however many, like minimum of this many a week, but sign up for however many you want. So I would go through as soon as I got that and just fill out all the baseball things because I found that, Baseball was just a super fun, 
you know, it, 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 it's a good excuse to, to have to air quotes work when, you know, it's five minutes of work and then sitting back and watching a baseball game. Um, and so I did that for, you know, the 2015 season and then went into the 2016 season with the same approach um, and just watched a lot of the games that way and, and really had a lot of fun. I think having that unique experience of being up close to the team really allowed you to know the inner workings. Tell me about what it was that this team did specifically, in your opinion, that helped set them on the track to win the Pac-12 championship that year. Yeah, so it was kind of an interesting thing because, you know, they started with the non-conference play, the vast majority of which was on the road just due to the nature of Utah's climate. I mean, you know, the college baseball season starts in February. It's very clearly not baseball weather here at that time. And Smith's ballpark is grass. It's, it's, you know, it's a natural surface. And so even if they were able to clear all the snow off and everything, the field's just not ready to play on. It takes time to get ready. It takes time for the, you know, the field crew to get everything prepared and whatnot. And so usually they don't get a home game until March, which already kind of sets them at a disadvantage where they're always on the road for the first several weeks of the season. Uh, that team started off with, I think, you know, just, a, you know, I'm remembering, right. Maybe I'll pull up the uh, schedule and look, but I, I want to say they, they started their first conference series with only one win. Um, and they, it was just looking to be, another year of last place in the Pac-12 because that's all they had done so far. Um, finishing 11th, Colorado doesn't feel the baseball team. So there's only 11 teams. Utah finished 11 every year, you know, prior to 2016 that they'd been in the Pac-12. Um, and if, if I'm remembering this right, uh, right before that first series, the players held a players-only meeting uh, led by the Carroll brothers, uh, Dalton and Dallas, who were local products, came to Utah with the desire to turn things around. They'd seen Utah baseball, you know, it had some success, you know, I think in 2009 or 2010, um, I think it was 2009, they had won the Mountain West tournament, made it to the NCAA tournament. Um, that was when... CJ Crone played, who is now playing in the majors. They yeah, wanted okay. to Colorado yeah, Rockies. You know, <laughs> yeah, just you know, all right, he's all right, I guess. You know, makes millions to crush baseballs. Must must be yeah. nice for him. Yeah, but so they wanted to come and like really kind of help build the program, so that that kind of thing wasn't just a flash in the pan, um, or even if it was, you know, just kind of create their own flash in the pan, as it were, you know, they wanted to really leave their mark on Utah baseball. And so they brought the team together, uh, had a, had a players only meeting really kind of, you know, stepped up as leaders and solidified that group who started, you know, really taking to heart what the coaches were telling them really started working at, at things. And they, they won a series, they won a, a PAC 12 series and, uh, so pretty quickly, you know, with winning that series, um, put them near the top of the rankings and uh, not super long into conference play. The baseball team was ranked number one and 
in the marketing department, there was the idea that, you know, they're always coming up with all the different kinds of uh, promotions and things like that. You know, they always want to draw more and more fans to the events. And so anytime you go to anything up there, that's like a t-shirt toss or any of those kinds of deals. A lot of the times those are the marketing interns. Um, you know, it's run by that kind of thing. So that's what a lot of what we did. They decided, Hey, it's really not often that we're in first place in this conference. Uh, it's really not often at all. We're anything out, outside of the basement. And so let's, uh, let's just draw attention to this while we can. They started doing promotions where, uh, each game, they would give away a season ticket hat um, between one of the innings. I don't remember where it was in the game anymore, but it was kind of one of those. Uh, I think sometimes they did it as trivia. Sometimes they did it as, all right, first person that can run up to the top of the dugout here with chapstick or whatever other random item, you know, and they'd give it away. And it was just something that they decided that they would do while Utah was ranked number one in the Pac-12. And so that went on, you know, we all assumed it would probably be gone by the next weekend and then it wasn't. And the team kept winning. Uh, I think that they won all but one series that year. And they, they really just put together an incredible season where, you know, it's hard to, to one of the things that I hear a lot when talking to other people about it, and it's, it's hard to disagree with them, but when you actually stop and look back at that season and look at what they did, a lot of people will say that it's a fluke. It's really hard to sustain a fluke for that long over that many weeks. Um, you know, just remember, they, they swept Arizona at home that year, um, and, which is no small task. They trying to, rem- I think, Oregon state was the only series that they dropped, um, which is understandable because, you know, the Oregon states, the Stanford's, a lot of these PAC 12 schools are national powerhouses. And it did like that year for those powerhouse teams. Yeah. It was kind of a down year where they had high expectations. They had a lot that they should have done. And they, they lost a lot more games than than they should have, but that doesn't mean that they were teams that had any business losing to a team that everyone thought would finish last place in the conference. And so, you know, Utah had a strong lineup that year, you know, like I had mentioned the, 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 uh, Carroll brothers, uh, Deshaun Kiersey jr. Was a freshman that year. Um, who, you know, to this day is one of the best talents that I've seen at the college level. Um, still playing in the minor leagues right now, trying to work his way up, um, might be hampered a little bit from breaking his hip uh, later in his college career. Um, but he was just a phenomenal talent. Uh, Jason Rose on the mound, and you know the pitching staff as a whole was fantastic that year. The team really came together and put together something special. And you know they played for each other and they played for the coaches and you could see that in the way that they showed up on the diamond. Yeah. It was a team that I think you mentioned it uh, at the beginning that those first few games, two out of nine, uh, two wins out of the first nine games, boy, I'm having a hard time spitting that one out, aren't I? And then they really did catch fire there towards the middle and the end of the year. Uh, Convincing by the very end of the season as well. uh, Can, 
clinched those uh, that Pac-12 championship in that home series against uh, Washington. Washington, yeah, that was a that 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 was a drama field filled series because everybody knew going into it. You know, it was if Utah won one game, it was a share of the title. Um, if Washington swept, they got it outright. Utah had to win the series to win it outright. Uh, anything less than winning it outright was not going to be good enough to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. I mean, you know, ultimately they did win the series and they made it to the NCAA tournament as a conference champion with a losing record, um, you know, losing overall record, winning record in conference play. But they lost the first game to Washington. Um and so their backs were against the wall. They had to do it those final two games. Uh, game two, it was pretty close. Came down, you know, right to the end there. And then game three, they dropped a football score on them. They, uh, you know, that one was a 21 to 7 beatdown. Uh, I think they had five runs in four different innings. And just, you know, it was, they put their foot on the gas and they did not slow down because they, they saw what they wanted and they, they went out and got it. And if you look at this team, it wasn't that there was any particular area where they were outstanding. It was that they played baseball. And that's a mm-hmm. weird thing to say, but they weren't out there just slugging the heck out of the ball. They weren't out there dominating on the mound. This was a team that was finding ways to win in a variety of fashions. And as you mentioned, at the very end, I think they'd built some camaraderie up and, and built this I guess energy would be a good way to put it within one another to where they believed so much and, and were had dedicated themselves so much to that goal that they just absolutely dominated Washington. And I remember watching that game and just being blown away, thinking to myself, like, they're tackling the whole entire time. Like, is this really happening? Is this for real? And then after that, they went to, to Ole Miss, another baseball powerhouse, and won 6-5 to five there. Uh, I remember watching that, a Friday night game. It was really fun to watch them win that one. Uh, I remember the Rawlings Quattro, the bright uh, green bats that they were using because at that point in time, I'd been working at a local sporting goods store, and, and that was the, the hot item, and, and that was kind of the big deal that they were using that bat, and it was – uh, a really exciting time, but uh, very fascinating look at the behind the scenes of that team. And then I think what you mentioned about both Kiersey, who currently with uh, single A affiliate Cedar Rapids um, out there for them, uh, I believe they're a Minnesota, Minnesota Twins. Minnesota Twins, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the Twins drafted him in the fourth round. He was a big talent for that squad. Uh, you talked about the Carols, just, you know, a, a family legacy. Uh, when it comes to Utah baseball, Taylorsville uh, group, uh, some other uh, uh, big names. Um, anybody in particular jump jump to mind for you from that team? Um, yeah, th- those guys. Jason Rose, I remember watching pitch because you know he was kind of their ace that year. Uh, and what stood out to me about him was you know he didn't have like the fastest fastball it was you know it was good but his changeup was the exact same motion but significantly slower and so he would catch guys with it all the time where you know he'd throw a couple heaters right across the plate and then take about 10 15 miles per hour off of that and watch these guys just whiff you know and and send them down and so he um i believe it was the single season strikeout record that year for him um 
he really had an impressive run uh, on the mound that year. But like you said, it was a complete team effort. Um, and, you know, you brought up that Ole Miss game in the NCAA tournament. That was kind of the cherry on top of the whole Sunday that was just this miracle season. A um, couple things that I loved about it was, you know, the fact that Ole Miss, their fans felt cheated that they weren't, you know, a high enough seed to host a super regional. They were just one of the regionals for that first round. Um, they felt that that was a major snub. Um, their ballpark was sold out. I think it has a capacity of 10 or 11,000. Um, so it's only slightly smaller than Smith's ballpark. Um, and, you know, is an actual college stadium. It's not them borrowing a minor league stadium like what Utah has to do. Um, on top of that, one probably my favorite part about Utah winning that game was the fact that Marshall Henderson flew back in <laughs> for that game to be there in person to watch. You know, he he tweeted about it that he was there to watch the beatdown, and uh, you know it was that that just made it all the all the sweeter. I don't know if you could find a more perfect way to cap off the story for that season than Marshall Henderson flying in to watch that that final. Uh, just, boy, what an adventure that was. It's hard to believe that Marshall Henderson was once a Ute. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, really phenomenal season. Thank you so much for, for sharing your memories of that and, and giving us a little bit of background on it. Uh, just as I'm perusing through some of the stats, Jason Rose did have an absolutely dominant season. He was second in the Pac-12 in total strikeouts. So not a bad year for him at all. Um, yeah, uh, just one of, one of those things that I think will go down for a long, long time is one of the bigger moments in the Pac-12 era for the University of Utah and especially for the baseball team. If you want to read up some more, Alex has written a couple different articles on, on that particular season and, and some of the memories associated with that. We'll link to those on the Twitter profile as well so you can give those a, a good look through there's a lot of cool information especially regarding bill kinneberg and uh his recent departure what he gave to the program everything else like that and we give you our best effort here on the podcast in main part because we are fueled by built bar limited time flavor grasshopper cookie expired the other night i hope you got a box of it i've mentioned multiple times it's one of my favorite flavors if not my favorite i ordered multiple boxes because i am a sucker and i was so excited about it and i just you never know when it's going to come back only 150 calories 17 grams of whey protein only five grams of sugar very healthy alternative to whatever your thin mint addiction if you like the andes mints i honestly genuinely like these grasshopper cookie built bars more than i like a thin mint or a andy's mint i I don't know how they managed to pack that much flavor into a a protein bar but they did it the good thing about built bar is there are plenty of other flavors to choose from if mint is not your favorite coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate a favorite of the brown bear uh salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream and german chocolate just a few that you can select not only are built bar flavors the best tasting but they are healthy 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs in these so they do fit into a lot of different diet plans you can order those today at builtbar.com 
Go to build.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all one word, at build.com. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That is neat. Go USA. Go Built Bar. BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. If you had money on the Home Run Derby, you were very happy with the results as long as you took Pete Alonzo. If you took Shohei Otani, maybe not so much. But you can continue following all the action at BetOnline.ag. All the latest news, odds, and info for whatever your sporting needs, everything from MLB to the Olympics, Team USA in basketball, UFC, MMA, and golf. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't un- sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their runs to the playoffs. College football futures are out as well. You can go to that website or uh, use your mobile device and sign up today. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. That's all one word, Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Wrapping things up here on a Locked On You. It's a special podcast, of course, being joined by the legend Alex Lundberg, uh, baseball aficionado, taco homie. I don't like taco hermano, uh, taco bros. Is that what we call ourselves? Uh, sure. Connoisseurs of the Al Pastor, the, the church of the Al Pastor. Um, wanted to uh, kind of get tie, tie a bow on this thing, I guess, as they like to say. Uh, with some conversation about the recent changes of, for the University of Utah baseball program and the hires that they've made up there, give me your thoughts about the changes, uh, the turnover from from Bill Kinneberg, and uh, the additions that new head coach Gary Henderson has made. Yeah, so you know Gary Henderson now taking over. He spent two seasons as the associate head coach, um, and he has a very impressive resume. Um, you know, he spent time at Florida, Oregon state, Kentucky. Um, he just before coming to Utah, he was at Mississippi state. He did the, uh, he was the interim coach there when they made a pretty deep, uh, run to the college world series. Um, Mississippi state now coming off of, you know, they, they just won the college world series. Um, he at Mississippi state, uh, was, you know, he, he did a lot of the recruiting there. He was also heavy and heavily involved in the recruiting at Oregon state. Um, he, I believe is a pitching coach. He, he has a lot of experience, you know, building these programs and knows what it takes to recruit to dominant programs. Um, and so he'll bring that experience with him. Uh, he also has added, uh, Todd Williams to the staff who, uh, has been at Kentucky since 2017. Um, so, I mean, more SEC experience added to the staff now as far as, you know, recruiting and coaching. And the SEC with college baseball, they're, you know, it, it's not quite like their football fan base where they're, you know, cranked up to just extreme levels, but they're, they're a lot more passionate than a lot of people would typically assume for college baseball. Um, they, they love their college sports, but, you know, especially the, 
the true down home American sports, football, baseball, they are, they are very, very passionate about those as well. And so, um, you know, adding Todd to the staff, he's, I think he's going to be a, another really, really solid addition, uh, to the staff so far. Um, Another addition that they recently made, hiring assistant head assistant coach Mike Brown. Uh, Brown is a familiar face to Gary Henderson. He played for him at Kentucky, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, was also a uh, student assistant there once he graduated, um, and then followed him to Mississippi State. Uh, I would assume that he'll be. I would. I would I guess helping out with the pitching staff. So yeah, he's he's going to be Utah's third base coach and the recruiting coordinator, um, and so he'll he'll be helping out kind of there. Um, Williams will serve as the hitting coach, and so I think they've got between all of these coaches and you know some of the assistants that they'll add as well. Uh, they're going to have a pretty full, complete staff there that's really going to be able to help build this team, uh, and it's full of guys that have proven experience at at good programs successful programs and so uh, as far as just the resume goes this coaching staff certainly impresses it does and and the interesting part about mike brown he's a native of davis california so he's a west coast kid that made the transition to the east coast i think that could be very beneficial in terms of the recruiting right because you now have ties to both areas can bring in the talent you have experience having gone from the west coast to the east and vice versa so you understand you know what difficulties might be there Uh, he's also quite the hitter as well so it does feel like they've loaded up on the hitting coaches in terms of really developing this this staff and i would assume that's what they're gonna angle and i think that fits this roster incredibly well clearly a strength of the team last year wouldn't you say yeah and so, yeah, they're going to continue to build. I think that it's going to be – I'm very interested to see two things from this coaching staff. One, how they continue to build on the legacy and the foundation that Bill Kinneberg set. But two, also what things, what things they're going to change in order to, you know, encourage and accelerate growth within the program. Should be an exciting uh, step, an exciting chapter in in Utah baseball. And I think if we know anything about Mark Harlan, his desire to win is definitely, you know, up there with the highest of the high as an athletic uh, director. There is no room for losing programs at the University of Utah. That should really appeal to the fan base. Wishing the new staff up at the University of Utah for the baseball program the best of luck. You and I will both be paying a lot of attention uh, as they move forward. Lundy, thank you so much for joining me today on the Locked on Utes podcast. Any closing thoughts? Any uh, words of wisdom? Uh, while we're on the subject of baseball, build the stadium. We need it. Like we, uh, It's been, I mean, Smith's Ballpark, as I've said, is great. But Utah baseball needs an on-campus stadium. They need their own facilities. So, you know, Mark Harlan, if you happen to be listening, let's get this done, please. I'm begging you. Yeah, any any athletic boosters, anybody out there who has any kind of uh, ear up at the University of Utah, that's absolutely a necessity for this program. They need a spot to call their own. It feels like the Sunnyside Park area is just never going to happen. Too much resistance from the neighbors over there and, and whatnot. So there's got to be a place somewhere either at or near campus that they can get that done. So 
fingers crossed sooner rather than later and if you and i have to go out and start digging ditches ourselves i think we'd both volunteer for that wouldn't we 100 percent that's it for today's episode of the locked on Utes podcast here on the locked on podcast network thank you so much for following us on your favorite podcast platform for rating us five stars on apple podcasts for following us on twitter at locked on Utes, and for sending your emails to us locked on Utes at gmail.com we'll be back later on this week with more utah news notes and updates as always and we will talk to you then